You're listening to the Primal Alternative Podcast. Inspiration for your evolution. Happy Christmas! <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast episode today on Christmas Day, well, you're pretty committed to your health journey, aren't you? Wow, I'm impressed. <laughs> but chances are it is Christmas will have passed. I know, so I hope it went well for you. And I'm super excited today to have my big bro, Damien Christoph, on the show. Now, um, many of you will know Demo from the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Summits. And I got him onto the show today because I wanted to talk about parasites, worms in particular. Because we have all got, we've all just been absolutely terrified of like parasites. There's all these parasite cleanses going on out there. And apparently there's worms up our bottom that crawl out at night and bury themselves in our mattresses and come out and get us again. When, even when we've washed the sheets, it's quite terrifying. Um, and Demo says it doesn't need to be that way because we're going to have a really awesome open discussion about the role of parasites, why they exist and why they can be good, right? And why not to go too hardcore and whether to know if it's dodgy or not, like is there too many parasites or not? And I think we can come to terms with, if we can come to terms with the fact that parasites are inevitable and they, I have, you know, being a gardener, okay, I don't garden as much now as I did a few years ago, but when you look in the garden and all the worms in the garden and how they have a symbiotic relationship with the soil and the plants, you think, oh, are worms in us really that bad? And, you know, there's studies out there where they're actually, and Demo had heard of this too, <clears throat> where they're putting worms in people to help them out with health conditions. And I have often wondered if parasites are going to be like the new germs. Remember before we all started taking probiotics and, um, you know, we thought uh, ingesting, like taking tablets with bugs in them. Like who would have thought we'd have done that? We're so germphobes, you know? So maybe parasites aren't as bad as we think. And that's a relief, right? Because if you find out you've got parasites, you don't necessarily need to destroy them because there might be a risk to you as the host if you overdo it a bit. Right. I know it's a good one. You've got to listen to this one. So Demo is a nutritionist, a naturopath, and a chiropractor, and also a highly sought-after presenter and speaker in the wellness industry. He's got over 20 years of experience and in-depth knowledge of the body, nervous system, food functions, and responses, coupled with his friendly and dynamic presenting style. He is in high demand, and I can testament to that. So he focuses on food as a key to unlocking optimal health and wellness. And he presents in-depth facts and concepts that have never been readily available to the public, like this one, offering all audiences from industry experts to the general public highly valuable content as he engages, educate, educates, put your teeth in it, and inspires audiences across the globe. So I love Demo. He's so approachable and awesome. And you can find him at DamienChristoph.com and also 100notout.com, which is a podcast he does with Marcus Pierce from The Wellness Couch, where they basically interview people who've made it to 100 and said, oh my God, what did you do to live this long? So a real longevity expert. And you'll find the difference, I find anyway, with health experts and longevity lovers is that long, <laughs> the people who live the longest aren't so uptight about everything, you know? And when I was talking to Demo about what I put into my smoothie and, um, you know, alcohol-free wine, he's like, oh, why would you? And it's true, right? So I really like Demo's approach because it's really about enjoying life, right? But also being as healthy and well as you can which is awesome. Now, don't ask Demo what his favorite primal alternative product is because he'll say it's banana bread, even though we do not make a banana bread. But trust me when I say Demo really is a big fan of primal alternative. And he even had his own paleo food company, Forage, which, and I'm not just saying this because he's my mate, but it was really the best 
paleo muesli on the market. He closed his food business because as he'll explain in this um, interview, the food business is not an easy business to be in, right? That is, here I go, of course, unless you're a primal alternative producer and then you can get on board with a brand that's already tried and tested with products that are already well-known and loved. And you can start your own little food business from home being a primal alternative producer. So I'm the founder of Primal Alternative and we make your grain-free journey easy with our breads, pastries, cookies, pizzas, and granola. So it was like big kahootas for me to send demo some of our granola being like the muesli king, but he really liked it. So I was stoked. And I have to admit, every time I have it, I go, damn, this is good. And uh, that's every, every night. I actually enjoy our granola as like a dessert. So I'll have some berries or some other kind of chopped fruit, a little bit of coconut yogurt, yogurt, whatever. You say yogurt, I say yogurt, or the other way around, whatever's whatever's. And then a half serve of granola as like a bit of a topping. Oh, it's seriously the best. It's like better than apple crumble. It's better than a bowl of cereal. It's better than Tim Tams and a cup of tea. It's the best. So I'd love you to go over to primalalternative.com. Check out the range. If you're really interested in starting your own wellness business, but you don't want to reinvent the wheel by creating a whole new brand yourself and you want to mitigate some of the risks of new business, then check out the Primalista license. So over at primalalternative.com. And Demo, we are recording and here we are. And I'm so excited to have you on the show. It's only taken a little over a year to get you to book in. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. Sorry about that. I'm not really good at booking stuff. Like if someone says, come on, we're doing it this Friday. I'm like, okay, cool. No worries. But if somebody says to me, Demo, can you follow this link and book a time that works for you? I'm like, oh, jeepers. That's a hard thing to do. So we got it done. Here we are. Helen, this is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah, this is so cool. Yeah, so I've wanted to talk to you because you got on the stage at the Wellness Summit um, in 2019 and you talked about parasites and um, mm. parasite cleanses. And I really, since I heard that talk, I was like, my goodness, let's have this conversation. But before we get all things parasites, tell us what you had for breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, once upon a time, I would have said forage, wouldn't I? Like that would have been what I would have said. In the old days, but I did try your muesli granola the other day, which was absolutely delicious. Congratulations! Thank um, you. Great recipes. Um, and but lately we've been having smoothies, so we've been making the smoothie with some protein powder, some berries, a bit of ice, coconut water, some cacao nibs, um, super green powder, um, a cacao, cinnamon, and maca powder that goes into that. Um, some tahini. For a little bit of extra creaminess, and uh, and and that's pretty much it, I think. That that's sounds delicious. That. Mm. Yeah, it's unreal. We used to do peanut butter, um, and I love it with peanut butter, but Amber doesn't really love peanut butter as much as what I do, and it seemed, you know. So we've we um, we decided to go with the tahini um, model, and you know, once you get used to the flavour of sesame seeds all the way through your smoothie, it's not too bad. It's it's pretty good. So. I like it, and I use a vanilla protein powder because vanilla is my favorite flavor. And then uh, we add a little bit of cacao to that, and uh, it just makes it just that little bit nicer. So we've been doing that a lot, which which I really enjoy. Mm, that sounds amazing. I love the chocolate with berries. That's always a winner. But I'm I'm with you. I'm a peanut butter peanut butter girl. I have a peanut butter in my smoothie every day. It's mm, delicious. I should try it with tahini. What's I know. In your, what do you put in your what's your, what's in your smoothie? Well, in my smoothie, I've got coconut milk, lots of cacao. I have some slippery elm, which is um, Mm -hmm. part of like a good sort of soothing protocol I'm doing at the moment. I've got collagen powder, which is just a sort of everyday thing. Uh, What else have I got? Uh, Sweetened with a little bit of stevia and peanut Uh butter. Is it like real stevia that you use? Uh, It's the stuff like the little drops in the bowl. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, good. And then um, a bit of hemp seeds and chia seed because the hemp seeds just Oh, yeah, that's what we put in too. Yeah, we put chia seed in ours too. It just thickens it a little bit. Like I make them because I make like four because I have one every day and I make them Mm -hmm. four in advance and then the the longer they sit in the fridge, the thicker they get. That's delicious. Like ice cream. It's like a (laughs) 
like a you know like one of those McFlurries or something. <laughs> you need a knife and fork to get through it. it sounds beautiful. <laughs> it is it sounds delicious. Yeah, I like that. I like that. A little Good choices. A little afternoon treat. It used to be, you know, back in the day, I'd go and get like a chocolate milk or a chocolate bar or something. So this is the the primal alternative to that, and it's very delicious. I can tell you. Sure is. Yeah, that sounds really nice. Well so l- thank you, thank you, and thanks for the feedback on the granola. It was, um, you know, I and I mean it. I'm not just saying it because you're on the show, but um, your granola was the only with the forage muesli, the paleo one, was the only one that I really enjoyed. And I used to load up on it when we were at the summit and um, then, you know, <laughs> know. then, then order more, <laughs> order Mate, more throughout the year. It was so delicious. You were amazing. And then it went. Yeah. And I was very Yeah, scared. it was a hard thing to close. It was really difficult. It was, you know, kind of, it ended up being a very expensive hobby. Um, but it was, you know, it was, was my baby, you know. I really wanted it to to thrive and to continue to grow and do wonderful things. But you just, you know, everyone out there wanted to try and make their own and do it, you know, somewhat better. And then you'd find yourself being kicked from the shelves in one shop, and it just all became too difficult. So I just thought, you know what? If I keep on focusing on this little thing which is struggling, I'm not going to focus on the great things that are working. So I thought I'll just uh, shift my focus and focus on the things that are working. So I, I did. Yeah, it was but hard the- to let go, but. You know, I'm glad. Well, it's, it's just it's a business decision at the end of the day, isn't it? Um, yeah, you know, like you yeah. say, an expensive hobby um, isn't isn't yeah. great. But what you did was a great product, and it would like the, the marketing was brilliant, the packaging was brilliant. So it was a job well done in a very tough marketplace. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I never, um, you know, I'd never gone anywhere near granolas because it's such a crowded marketplace. I was like, you know, why would I even entertain it? And then. I was looking at expanding the Primal Alternative store and looking to buy in some granolas. And I was asking the Primalistas, which granolas do you all like? And um, Primalista Sally said to me, you know, we've got all the ingredients for granola, right? We've already got everything for it. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was a bit of a no-brainer in the end. Um, yeah. Well, it's one, it's an area of uh, food that I'd say, be, you know, I wouldn't recommend anybody to go into because it is really competitive. And 90% of the products, more, 95%, maybe even more than that, maybe 99% of all of the products that are out there are just full of rubbish, to be honest with you. And uh, whether they're toasted and cooked with sunflower oil or if they've got added whatever to it and they say there's no added nasties, there's definitely, whenever someone says, you know, no added nasties, they've added something that hasn't been classified as a nasty yet. Mm. And, um, you know, it's just... It's not a great environment, and the marketplace is cutthroat. It's all about price, so um, it's it's a very challenging market to get into. I wouldn't do it. I'd just make your own. That's what I'd suggest. Yeah, no, it's it is. Uh, or buy or buy yours. Or buy your buy one. <laughs> I know, and it, it is. Hard. Yeah, contact one of the primal listers. Yeah, get it locally made, and I think that that's. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, this isn't a, isn't a comment. We are going to talk about parasites, honestly. So I just talk about granola. <laughs> from two granola loving people but um you know i think that yeah that's that's the thing that because we are local and it's all homemade then it's not about just you know stack them high sell them cheap for us it's a different kind of model um but yeah i know that the the generally the food industry is like that and it's very yeah i see like you know like you say so many people starting a little food business and then and then coming out the other end of it yeah so broken yeah <sighs> yes well yeah well that was a good time in my life and i enjoyed it and um you know it's it is it was it was good fun it was good fun but i'm glad we're on the other side and now i'm talking more about function and i'm talking more about food and stress and gastrointestinal health and all the stuff that i love and practicing chiropractic so I'm, I'm doing all of that now which floats my boat and i get excited about it you know so i don't i don't have that stress that i was harboring you know trying to run a you know, a little company, um, I now just focus on what I love doing. And um, and that's a great thing. That's a really great thing to be doing. So awesome. So you're a nutritionist, a naturopath, and a chiropractor. So very highly qualified to talk about mm. um, what we're going to discuss today. So let's get into parasites. What, like, what is the role of parasites? I know that, you know, with, with other things that sort of live in us, like let's say candida, <laughs> candida is something yeah. that's, you know, we need to have. It's essential. 
uh, it basically, as far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically sort of protects all of our openings and orifices. <laughs> So, um, and it's, and it's essential to have, but if it gets a little bit overgrown or out of control, then it's not good. And so I've always thought about parasites, especially being a gardener, sort of, not so much these days, but worked in the garden, you know, the composition of a great soil is worms and there's so many other Mm. microorganisms and things living in the soil. And I've always thought, you know, surely like some level of parasites is, beneficial for the human body but if they become slightly overgrown or they take over it's not a good thing is it the same kind of thing with parasites can you tell us a little bit about the role of them why are they there yeah yeah well look parasites um by their very nature by their definition would mean that they live inside a host and they take from the host whatever they require so when you, when you look at a parasite, you then kind of think, well, that can't be good. That must be all bad. You know, that must be something that's really bad for the body and we should get rid of all of them. But the classic parasite that every woman um, has the opportunity to host in their lifetime, uh, the opportunity to host, not, not every woman does do this, but they have the opportunity to do this, is to, ho- is to grow a baby. And so when you grow a baby, that is the ultimate parasite that lives on the human body and continues to grow and thrive until such a time as the environment is no longer suitable and then it comes out and it, it joins this you know worldly environment out here. So to use the term parasite implies that it takes from the host and lives inside the host um, for as long as it wants to, as long as the environment is right. Um, and now that that could be through exploitation of the host, um, but it could be in support of the host. Like it might actually be um, of benefit to the host. So there's been a lot of studies done to try and understand what that, this all means. But as as we learn more about these different types of um, of organisms, um, and in some cases they might be helminths, um, in other cases it might be protozoa, in other cases they could be um, bacterium or whatever else, these different parasites that exist, um, as, as we understand them, uh, some people get, I suppose, a little bit excited that they've now discovered it and then they, they classify them as a parasite and then they presume that all things that are happening within that person's body, that person, that host, um, are a result of a parasite. And so then all of a sudden, you know, some people want to try and clean them out. They have unique connections to the intestinal system. They can alter the immune system's response. They can downregulate inflammation. They can improve um, glucose transfer. They can they can do all kinds of different things. These little parasites. And so, what little we know about them at the moment um, is just the tipping point of what we'll know about them in the future. And so, I I'm really cautious about trying to eliminate them altogether. But they only ever grow in an environment that supports their existence. So as you said before, Helen, you've got candida, which if it becomes overgrown, can be pathogenic to the body. And so you might then say, well, candida then could be a parasite. Um, But in its normal amount in the body, it's synergistic. It lives in symbiosis with lactobacilli and um, um, bifidobacterium and, and the other bacterium and, and species that live inside our gastrointestinal system, candida lives with that and saccharomyces and, and so on and so forth. So um, you, you kind of want to have some there. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's only – they just need to be kept under control and they, they're kept under control by the good bacteria and the good bugs, you know, and other yeasts and so on and so forth in the gastrointestinal tract. Okay, so – so if we're talking about like some of the most, what would you say about some of the most common parasites are? I mean, when we talk about parasites, I just think of worms. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they are definitely um, a common parasite, you know, so we hear about intestinal worms and they've got a bad reputation, right? But they're, they're good. Like they're, they can be good for us again, but if they are bad, so, you know, you might think about hookworm or tapeworm or threadworm you know, those sorts of um, worms that we often associate with a worm infestation where we might have to go and check on our children, you know, in the middle of the night and just with a shining torch, check their little backsides out to see if there's any worms heads popping out. Like that's, that's a common sort of, um, 
let's say, in, intestinal, I don't want to call them a parasite, but um, inhabited, uh, they, they, mm. we might see as being you know, bad for us, but they could in fact be good for us. Um, there's other ones like Blastocystis hominis or um, what's the other one that, that they often talk about? There's Blastocystis and then there's, um, you know what I'm talking about? Helen, I've just had it. No, I only blank. know the Blastocystis um, one. Yeah, I only know that one. There is another one. There is another one that often um, people find. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll mm. come to me. But what actually happens is um, people see these these common um, parasites and then, you know, they get a little bit frightened. And so as a result of that, they, uh, you know, they kind of go and chase, chase them. So Giardia is one of them. That's one of the ones I was oh, thinking yes. of. Um, that can live, you know, quite well inside the body. Uh, Dientamoba. Uh, that can also live inside the body quite well. Um, it's just when they get out of control that we uh, we try to watch out for them. But we do find parasites in our food. We find parasites in our soil. A common one that's really bad if you're pregnant is toxoplasmosis. Uh, toxoplasmosis, yeah, can, which can be you know very damaging to the body. Okay, so with things like um, worms, <laughs> um, you know, like <laughs> growing up as a child, I had issues with worms, and it was sort of perceived as like dirty, you know, like it, you were, it was dirty. You hadn't cleaned your hands properly after you'd been to the toilets or other people's hands were dirty. And it was all dirty. And it was all cleansing and washing your hands, <laughs> stripping your sheets. And yeah, your mum looking up your bum uh, and yeah, that kind of thing. And it's, it's terrifying. And the reality is nobody, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about parasites because everybody's embarrassed as to what the, yeah. um, what people are going to think of them if they've got parasites, especially, you know, and, and, and I know, you, what you're saying that they're not necessarily always a parasite and maybe an inhabitant, but um, is how do we know like when things have got out of control? So, and, and, and is it normal to expect to have a small amount of parasites at all times? And, and that's okay. I mean, I, I read a couple of years ago um, that they were actually, it was an experiment. I don't know who they was, who they were, but um, I just remember the story and it really stood Those out. People. That they, that they were um, putting um, worms into people with diabetes because mm-hmm. there was um, it was going to help with the um, absorption of the sugar or something like that. Have you have you come across that yeah. study and have you heard about? Yeah, you have absolutely. Yeah, and I was just yeah, I, I, I kind of mentioned that just briefly before. I I also am aware of that study um, and. And this is, I suppose, what we're learning. You know, if we let's go back. So when I first studied naturopathy, um, before I'd gone on to study some, you know, specific nutrition um, studies, when I first studied naturopathy, we didn't even have probiotics. So there's no such thing as a probiotic. We knew that there was leaky gut, but we didn't really know how you could test it. And we didn't really know how you could treat it, but we just kind of, we knew that there was this thing called leaky gut, but we didn't know what it all meant. So we used to use the eyes to look for that. So we'd use iridology to try and understand that. Um, and we'd look at people's symptoms and, and be guided by all those sorts of things. Then all of a sudden, like these bacteria came out, like lactobacillus. And I think even back when I started you know, practicing, uh, I think Shirota, you know, Dr. Shirota in Japan, had just really only discovered um, Yakult, you know, or the the Shirota strain of bacteria. Mm. And so, you know, that was, you know, all in its, in its primitive days. And the thought that you would put into the, into the body a, a bacteria or a, you know, a, you know, a foreign object that could actually grow and live on site on you that, you know, for decades we've all been trying to kill off bacteria and there's been this, you know, there's been this massive push since the 1940s to use um, antibiotics and so on and so forth, you know, to kill bacteria because ba- bacteria and germs were the enemy. To think that you could actually put into the body bacteria that was beneficial for you, we're talking like in, back in 1998, you know, so it's not that long ago. Not that long 1998, ago. 1997. Yeah. You know, it's not, that, it, it's not. We're talking 22, 23 years ago. Um, and then so we had a, a supplement that came out from um, Nutrition Care at the time, which was called Lactobac. And and there was this explosion of of supplements that kind of you know came from that. But you'd talk about colony forming units of maybe a million microorganisms per dose. Um, these days we're talking twenty or forty or sixty billion microorganisms, like factors of 
in terms of colony forming units. But then we've since learned that there's tr- like dozens of trillions of um, of bacteria or microorganisms in and on our body. So, and, and each of them live symbiotically in an environment that it enables the human being to continue to thrive. So when you ask then, Helen, how do we know if it's good or bad for us? It's when the human body fails to thrive, like that something is, is, has gone awry, if that makes sense. So it's when things are no good. But if we go back 23 years ago, we thought that lactobacillus could be bad for us um, until we started taking it. And so all of a sudden now in India and other countries around the world where there's, you know, waterborne parasitic type microorganisms, protozoa and so on and so forth, these things are, are, are living in the water system and kids are consuming them, but they're not dying. In fact, in some cases, they're no sicker. If you've got an infection of, of worms, they might be no sicker than the other kids who have no infections from worms. So they do nothing of, of, of note that could be disrupting the health of that of, of that group of people or of, of that person um, and so more more study needs to be done to find out the exact role of these little guys um, and and what we're going to find I think is that there's going to be a metabolic impact or a cardioprotective impact or a neurological impact and and as the science continues to evolve we'll probably learn that we should never have chased after them, much the same as antibiotics. You know, at some point we thought that antibiotics would save the world, you know, that Mm -hmm. the discovery of penicillin was the one thing that would rid us of all disease. And then we thought, you know, that maybe understanding the genome and mapping the human genome would help us solve all of the diseases of the world. But every time we make those broad sweeping assumptions, we're wrong. And so I suppose, you know, in my conversation that I had in 2019, uh, on the stage at the Wellness Summit where I'm saying, hang on a second, don't go mental just because you've got a parasite. Let's work out the reason why you've got something that, that's living inside you that you might not want to live inside you. Let's find a way in which we can nurture and nourish your gastrointestinal system, nurture the body to kind of love these bugs, not necessarily to death, but to love them into submission so that they kind of behave better or they live more appropriately and you've got a, a better environment to host and house more appropriate bacteria and microorganisms in your body. Makes so much sense. So I know that based on perhaps, um, I guess it's fear, isn't it? You know, when you hear you've got a parasite, it's the worst thing. Oh my God, Mm. Uh, it's horrible. And you're like, let's get rid (laughs) of it. And, you know, let's, um, you know, because the the stories are horrific. You know, I've heard stories about worms crawling out of your bottom um, burying themselves in your sheets and then coming back out again at midnight, you know, on Halloween or something, full moon, something, and, you know, and, and coming to get you in the night and all these like horrific stories. And it, it is literally terrifying. And um, it's so reassuring to hear that there, there might there might be a purpose for these little guys. And and if so long as it's all in, in harmony and in balance and working in beautiful symbiosis, then we're all good. We don't need to purge our bodies um, of these parasites. So what I'd love to do is to talk a little bit about why it might not be such a great idea to go too hardcore with a parasite cleanse. And, you know, I'm in the foodie blogger Instagram land and there's always somebody somewhere doing a parasite cleanse. Mm. So can you mm. tell us a little bit about, you know, why you know, you've explained what they are and why they exist and why they might be good and why they might be bad and how it's all about thriving. So if we're thriving, but we're also, you know, carrying some of these little guys around, might not be such a bad thing and we might not need to go too hardcore with a parasite cleanse. Can yeah. you tell us a little bit more about why? Yeah, I can. Um, parasites uh, in the body are kind of, they're not, they, they live in an environment that other bacteria and other microorganisms that are useful for our body also live in. So the idea that if you just took some herbs, because herbs are natural, um, to kill off parasites, the idea to, to think that that's going to be okay and it's only going to knock off the parasites is, it's, it, let's just say it's fraught with danger. So the, we don't have anything um, on the planet that's specific for just the death of one thing. Do you know what I mean? Like if you just wanted to kill off a particular, let's say it's blastocystis 
or let's say it is, let's just say it is Blaster Sisters. Let's say you wanted to kill off Blaster Sisters, um, and, and so you started taking all of these herbs uh, by the bottle load, mind you, um, to try and knock off these little parasites. The collateral damage of that is significant. So whether that collateral damage is the stripping or the damage to the intestinal wall or whether it's the death of other microorganisms that are hugely beneficial or whether it's the creation of dysbiosis in the gastrointestinal system, which is the very reason why you've got the parasites in the first place, um, or whether it's um, adrenal fatigue as a result of the inability now to manufacture B vitamins because you killed off too much of the good guys, or whether it's you know, immune suppression or immune activation as a result of overstimulation of the immune system because of the herbs and the die-off and so on and so forth. All of these things can actually take place as a result of trying to target just one little bad guy. So when you go in there and you're dropping napalm all over the gastrointestinal system or you're dropping atomic bombs inside the small intestine, there's going to be collateral damage. And the collateral damage is difficult to mop up. So you often hear... Um, commentators speak about if you're taking antibiotics, it might take you up to four years to restore your microbiome or your microflora, right? The same is to be said about taking natural forms of antibiotics. Now, let's say, for example, you have some garlic and you're having garlic in your food. We know that garlic behaves like an antibiotic. Let's say, for example, you cook your chicken with some oregano on it. We know that oregano oil can be used as an antibiotic, right? But in its food source or in its food form, it's totally fine. But when you start to rip out the essential oils or when you um, concentrate something beyond what it was when it was a food, you then essentially turn it into a drug. It's just that if it can't be patented, it's essentially known as a herb or a natural medicine. And so that whilst it might appear to be safer, it still does have side effects or other effects that we may not want it to have. And so we've got to be really careful in that regard because the indiscriminate use of um, natural medicines or herbs to knock off bacteria or parasites or whatever else will have collateral damage which can downstream and upstream impact the health of the body. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's all I've got to say about that. That is just Wow. Amazing. That's that's so scary to think, right? You know, so we, we could be thinking we're and it's not easy to do, right? These parasite cleansers are not easy to do. They've got to take a lot of nauseating, um, disgusting tasting herbs usually. Um, to go through these, yeah. you might have to strip back some certain foods. It might be quite a sort of stressful uh ordeal to go through. Uh, and it might not necessarily have the outcome that you desire. You may um, but yeah, putting yourself, getting rid of some of the good guys that you don't want to get rid of and putting a lot of stress on other systems in the body and may even go backwards instead of forwards with your health, which is, that's not what anybody wants, is it? No, exactly, Helen. And I think what actually happens here is the excitement and the enthusiasm of somebody who has something happen, uh, you know, in their own experience. And then they translate that into a commercial kind of operation. So let's say, for example, if someone's had their own little parasite and they managed to get rid of it, you know, taking some herbs and they felt good as a result of that, then all of a sudden, and we see this in the wellness industry all the time, Helen, that people then go on to um, create a business or make a business out of their own experience as opposed to going on and doing further study to, you know, better understand exactly what the impact of that approach might be so that you can temper or meter what's appropriate for each individual person because you shouldn't be doing blanket parasite cleansers just because of the presence of parasites so um as we just discussed so when somebody has their own experience that doesn't necessarily confer the need to do that same protocol because it is a protocol now um with somebody else who might who's got a totally different body and a totally different microbiome and a totally different life experience totally different living environment different numbers of children, different types of bacteria living in the house, um, different pets and different climates and different food intake and so on and so forth. So to, to be blanket about it and say, I'll just take these herbs for the next six months or you know, sign up here and get all of these herbs delivered to your house because this is what I did to clear my parasites, that, that's a dangerous thing to be doing. Um, and, and, and I have seen, I've seen, quite, I've seen a lot of, people come into my practice as a result of 
buying into one of these sorts of anti-parasite cleansers through the wellness industry um, and, and then having to deal with the side effects and then the really significant negative impact on that, both financially and physiologically, um, a, a negative impact. Yes. No, I, I, yeah, I know. I totally, I totally understand what you mean. And I think it can be just so disheartening, can't it? When you, you're just trying to do the best thing. Um, and you do, you do see a success story of something that's worked for somebody else and it's, it's rife in the wellness industry. And then if it doesn't work for you, then it's not because the protocol's flawed or it yeah, hasn't, hasn't taken into consideration your uniqueness. It's your fault because yeah, you probably didn't do it right. Um, you missed a day. Well, you, uh, you ate a potato chip. Um, oh, my God, you ate a potato else. chip. That's yeah. why. You, yeah. You're useless. Imagine, you, you're a fail. Imagine somebody, imagine somebody with a British accent eating a potato chip. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Never, because it would <laughs> be a crisp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First. <laughs> Bang. Uh, Tisha, I like it. Yeah, right. this is it. So. Um, in, and so this is the thing that uh, concerns me a lot about these things is that the presence of something doesn't necessarily mean the need to treat it. So, for example, I'll give you an example. Um, I love working with the gastrointestinal system. Like I love it. Um, and at the moment, I'm probably looking after maybe only half a dozen people because obviously as a chiropractor now, I focus more on the spine and the nervous system and that's kind of where I work. But because of my naturopathic training and nutritional training, um, I like to help people with their gut, you know, if they're also a chiropractic patient of mine. So I've got about half a dozen people with similar sorts of symptoms, but every single one of them is approaching it from a different angle. Like we're doing different things for each of these people and they're all getting improvement. And that's because not one size fits all. Now, if you want the one size fits all model, then it's no longer natural. It's not naturopathic. It's not natural medicine. We're now talking pharmaceutical because in order to have one size fits all, you must purposefully block the function of something in order to be able to predict the downstream consequences or upstream consequences of that intervention. And so that's how you get a double blind placebo controlled randomized clinical control study or something like that, you know? So in order to be able to do that, you have to be able to predict what it is that you're doing, but you can't predict that if you're using natural medicines. And if you're doing one size fits all with natural medicine, then you, you, are being irresponsible and potentially quite dangerous. Hmm. Yeah, no, I get that. And so I'm not going to ask you, what are some of the common things we could do to, to make sure that we, cause I guess, I guess that like, I know it's a, like, you, like you said, you've got the, the different, um, different clients, um, who are all doing different things, even though they've all got very similar symptoms, but are there anything sort of like across the board in general that we can do to support that beautiful symbiosis so that we don't get overrun with some of the, the guys that we don't want really you know, running the show and, and avoiding those like parasitic symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the first things that we could be doing is cleaning up our diet. You know, like if, if more people consumed more fruits and vegetables um, and high quality proteins and amazing fats, then they'd be doing much better. And I, I think that one of the things that I love that Fuad and Joe do uh, from, you know, from quirky cooking um, is that they, they move more into this ancestral approach, which is exactly what you're doing with the primal alternative is looking more at an ancestral approach to eating uh, and the approach to, the, to food selection based on your ancestry. And for me, that's blood typing when I, when I talk about that. Uh, so if you look at your blood type diet that Peter Diadamo wrote many, many years ago, like something like 20 something years ago, um, that's a really nice snapshot into eating foods that your body's evolved for. Uh, so, you know, whilst we, we could consider that paleo is the most primal way to eat, for some people they've evolved beyond paleolithic you know, style of eating in, into the, you know, to the extent that some grains might be hugely beneficial. Like you look at the Asian populations or, you know, people with um, A-type blood where the evolution of, the, of, of their body has allowed them to be able to, you know, digest certain grains and, and so on and so forth. And so we, we can, you know, look more into that at another time, maybe Helen, but um, se selecting foods that are healthy because they're fresh, if that makes sense. Not healthy because they're manufactured sugar-free or healthy because mm. they're manufactured oh. with good quality fats or healthy because they're, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know, just that they don't contain preservatives or something, you know. So it's it's really got to be healthy because it's fresh. That's that's how that's really how it works. Um, having more of that. So and then if it's not fresh food, then maybe you consider maybe fermented food and adding fermented food into your diet. So whether it be kefir, uh, whether it be sauerkraut, whether it be kimchi, um, you know, you know, bringing those foods into your lifestyle can be good, but not in large amounts. Like you don't need to have meals of kimchi. And you certainly don't need to be drinking kefir by the gallon load. And, and you definitely don't want to be having kombucha as like your, your standard replacement for soft drink because it basically is soft drink. So you, you don't want to be having so much fermented stuff that you, in fact, become your own ferment. You just want to have little <laughs> bits of fermented food from time to time. You know, Just bring a little bit into your diet and that will help you out. And of course, there are different strains of bacteria that you can actually take that are hugely beneficial for the body. You know, we know that different strains perform different functions. So, one of the classic ones that I love to talk about, which has specific immune modifying properties um, and and potential, is the Lactobacillus rhamnosus LGG strain. Right, so that has an effect on histamine producing mast cells, um, and so you can downregulate that. So it's good for hay fever and asthma and eczema. And that's been used by Dr. Mimi Tang and um, the Murdoch Institute in the, child, in the Children's Hospital to cure peanut allergies. So, you know, in specific doses, I don't go and try this, um, but it's, it's, being done, it's being used, that particular bacteria is being used by medical specialists to try and cure peanut allergies, you know, and other anaphylaxis. So um, they have an effect, which is important for us to remember. There's other strains too, like uh, BB12 and LP33 and NCFM and, and there's, there's – and, and, Oh, and Saccharomyces as a yeast, so Saccharomyces, which is a yeast that um, wine growers use for the manufacture of red wine, that's a really great um, yeast that we use to help control candida. You know, so using different yeasts to help con- control stuff and using different bacteria to help control overgrowth is a really nice way to do things because essentially you're propping up the environment inside the body to enhance um, the environment, which would discourage those, you know, microbiome or microbiota that we don't want to have in our body in large amounts. Demo, what are your thoughts on pharmaceutical treatments for parasites? So, if, for example, um, you know you're feeling pretty good, but you might have a, a sort of symptoms of, let's say, worms, because you know that's what I'm being keep referring back to. What do you think about just nipping to the pharmacy and taking like a deworm thing from the pharmacy, or is that just as yeah. is that is it just as legal yeah, look, as dropping I, the naturopathic bomb, the nuclear bombs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So we can so so look. I've got I've had little kids that come into my practice and that have had um, like really big parasitic infections of say. Um, I think I'm just thinking of one little boy who came in to see me at one point, cute little kid. He's now moved up to Byron Bay with his parents, of course, and he had a blastocystis hominis infection and he wasn't thriving. So we needed to do something about it. Because he was so little, we couldn't do lots to kill it. So what I used with him was some oregano oil um, in little amounts. Um, And it was just in tiny little amounts and we just had to wait a long period of time. Bit by bit, he got better and better and better and better. Um, but we didn't go in there all guns blazing trying to knock it off. And it had gone past the point where I could use, you know, some beneficial bacteria just to, to, to get it under control. Of course, we use beneficial bacteria, child strain bacteria for an infant um, alongside um, a very, very, very low dose of oregano oil just to assist in like, the, the change in the environment to make sure that this blastocystis left. So we tested it maybe after I think it was three months. It was still there a little bit. After six months, it was totally gone. And that was a safe and appropriate way to kind of manage that. Um, in the situation where worms are growing out of control, where they're, they're growing, you know, and they're coming out and having a party at night time and, um, and the child's concentration is being affected and their energy is being affected and uh, their backside's red, raw, and really itchy, then I think it's important to do something about it. Um, now, it's difficult to use the natural therapies in this case because in order to create an environment that's really um, uncomfortable for a worm to live in to the extent that they would leave, um, particularly when there's a number of them that might be poking their head out at night time. In other words, we've got like a farm of worms growing inside this gastrointestinal system. Using, I know, using something <laughs> like 
you know, a Combatron or something like that as a once-off, just to knock it on the head to bring it under control may not be a bad thing to do. Like it's a specific chemical that's designed to knock off those particular bugs. But I wouldn't like to see somebody do that repeatedly year in, year out, just as a, you know, regular deworming kind of thing to do because the worms only exist because the environment allows them to. So I would then suggest that if you've got to do that, you've got to work on ways to improve the health of the gastrointestinal system through diet and through fermented foods and through um, probiotics and prebiotics that would encourage a healthier microbiome so that these worms can't live in that environment. Um, so it's not so much that you just go and take the drug or take the tablets um, to knock it on the head and then everything is going to be okay. You would, do those things, but then you do all of the work to create a healthier environment in the gut so that you actually don't have to go and, you know, drop bombs on them again, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And it's definitely contrary to advice I've heard from a pharmacist before, which was, um, you know, you just need to deworm your entire family once a school term, just kind of, you know, as a routine. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, I was really? like, I don't think oh so. Oh, my gosh. But that's good wow. to know. Well, you know look, that's... That's a medical approach to it, right? So that's yeah. a medical approach. That's where you see the, the worms as the bad guys. And anytime a bad guy invades, you just go and knock them off. That's, you know, that's very much the hero's journey, isn't it? It's kind of, it's a Star Wars, Star Trek, Rambo. Like it's, yeah. it's any of those movies <laughs> that are in, you know, in Hollywood. That's the reason here we go. We've got Hellbid that's coming. Let's go and knock them on the head and we'll do this every month uh, <laughs> for the whole family. I mean, there's obviously. Yeah, the whole family, yeah. The whole family. Well, they're highly contagious and you just need the little kid to um, scratch their backside and then go and give mum a kiss after they put their fingers in the mouth and all of a sudden mum's got the infection too. So that that does happen. Um, and so to, to be effective in trying to clear the worms out, that's what you would do. But you still want to do the work to make the gastrointestinal system healthier so that this infection doesn't recur. Totally makes sense. Now, I was going to um, talk to you about a variety of different topics today, but we've we've filled the time with parasites, which has been <laughs> so interesting. You know, it really has. And I, I think do that talk this, a bit too much, don't I? No, you don't at all. You, you've got the nicest voice to listen to. Seriously, the listeners just go, ah, yeah. You, you, you <laughs> do more podcast nice. demo. Only joking. I know you already do. <laughs> 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 So before we, we – I need to ask you a question, right, that I ask all of my guests. And okay. um, the question is, what does Damien Christoph think about the three great area foods when it comes to clean living, which are chocolate, alcohol, mm. and coffee? Mm. I love them all. I love them all. So let me just talk about chocolate. A life without chocolate's kind of not really a life at all, I reckon. Mm. Um, I, chocolate's delicious. Um, it's one of those great pleasures. Um, and let me just set this scene correctly. When I was 39 years old, Helen, which is last week, eight years ago, <laughs> eight years ago, I was fearful of turning 40. And so Marcus Pierce and I uh, decided that we would explore longevity. And he's like, Damo, don't worry about it. You're not that old. And I'm going, dude, I'm turning 40. I'm going to you know, be over the, over the hill. And what happens to my body? Am I going to break down? And uh, here I was, a wellness guy, doing the wellness guy stuff, thinking that you know, nutrition is it. Like This is all it's got to be. And so if you eat really good food, you're going to be fine. And then Brett's doing movement and Lawrence is doing mindset. And I was, uh, I was doing food. So I just thought, look, if you thought good thoughts and if you moved a little bit but ate really great food, you'd be really good. Um, and then we started interviewing these people who were aging well and then we watched some documentaries and then um, the Blue Zones documentary came out and so that, well, the studies came out from the Blue Zones. Um, and so Marcus and I became fascinated in longevity. So as we were interviewing people who were living a long time, what we ended up learning was that it wasn't the absence of chocolate, alcohol, or caffeine that kept people living a long time. And so because I am fascinated with longevity and I want to live a long time and I want to live a great number of years feeling unbelievably well, I wanted to understand how people who were living a long time were doing it. And I asked them about their diet. So in many cases, people were drinking alcohol on a daily basis. In almost all cases, people were consuming caffeine. And in every single case, people were consuming chocolate. 
So I was like, wow, this is unbelievable. This, this is kind of blowing everything I ever thought out of the water. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you just get rock on down to, you know, your local supermarket or your petrol station and you pick up a, you know, big purple block of Cadbury dairy milk. Like you're not going to do that. Um, but what it basically said was that the stress that we put on ourselves around our diet and our food could in fact be doing more damage to our body than having a more relaxed more family approach or more social approach to our diet and our lifestyle than than you would otherwise think. So I, for me, um, I love a little bit of chocolate. In fact, chocolate is my weakness. Uh, I love it. Um, I drink a coffee or two a day. I enjoy it. Um, I don't drink alcohol every single day, but red wine um, is very beneficial for you. And having a drink with your friends, not a drink by yourself, is is very good Um for your for your heart health, both from a um, relaxation perspective, but also from a and a conversation perspective. But also, if you're using red wine, you've got the antioxidant benefit um, of the red wine. So, yes, we can argue the damaging effects of alcohol on the brain, the damaging effects of alcohol on the uh, liver, and the damaging effects of alcohol on the kidneys. But if it's done to not get absolutely blotto or to be, you know, drunk beyond all reasonable doubt. If you're doing it, you know, as, as part of a healthy lifestyle, um, then it's going to be fine. Yes. I love it. You're absolutely speaking my language. Um, I absolutely agree with everything you've said. And I do think the stress of, of thinking it all and putting any kind of whiff of deprivation, I think is kryptonite mm. to a human. I think, Humans hate deprivation, and if you yeah. try and deprive yourself of anything, like if you say, "Right, that's it, I'm not going to eat chocolate for 21 <laughs> days," like you just you think about yeah. chocolate more than you would have done normally if you just had two squares of 90% chocolate on a night. You know, it's yeah, utile. Yeah, right. It's yeah. counterproductive, and you know these are the joys of living, as my mother said. Because um, I was having a conversation with her recently because I don't know if you if I'm just behind the trend or I'm in on the trend, but the trend uh, among women my age, sort of 45-ish, 45-ish, um, is to be mm-hmm. buying de-alcoholized wine. So it's a No, it's no. A <laughs> Why would you? That's terrible. <laughs> Why would you it's do booming, that? It's a booming industry, right? And um, oh. so I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to try it. Because why not? I love, I'm very curious. I like exploring new things and it could be something new to try. So anyway, I bought this de-alcoholized one. It looks like wine. You know, it's got the bottle and I thought, oh, this could work. You know, because like for me, having a drink is, it's quite a ritual. You know, I've got a special glass that I use and a certain wine that I buy and it's, it's all part of it. You know, whereas if you just have a kombucha, instead of a wine, you feel kind of like it's not the same at all, right? So I was like, right. I, not even close. <laughs> if I can have the nice glass and the whole feel, maybe I could make this work. So anyway, so I took it to Curry Club. We're part of like, um, there's a few families are part of this Curry Club and we like rotate each other's house and everyone brings a meal to share and it's just like, it's amazing. It's so much fun. And so I said, I've got this wine. What's got this wine? Everyone's like gathering around. What's it going to taste like? And I poured it out and I tasted it and I'm not joking. It was just like the most disgusting, like lolly water that you could imagine. And it was full of, <laughs> it was full of preservatives and right. additives. Right. And I would have much been happier with like a bottle of San Pellegrino, right? With a squeeze of lime. Yeah. But, and I was just thinking yeah. there's this massive push, especially women my age and um, to, to go sober, to be, you know, alcohol free. And, and I think it's sometimes when you talk about, your healthy relationship with alcohol they're kind of looking at you as if to say you're in denial you don't know you've got a problem <laughs> you know and so I discussed all this yeah. discussed all this through with my mum, who is 75 she loves a drink so does my dad they're so healthy they're so happy yeah. they're just really yeah. thriving in their life and they love every day and I'm like what do you do because I want to do what you do because it's working and I said all of this to my mum, and she said oh Helen she said Alcohol is a joy of life. <laughs> like that, that's so true. Why do so these true. crazy protocols and deprive yourself and then or like just come off it for a month and then, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think having nice, you know, good quality, 
pure, and like I love to drink organic wine, nice glass, alcohol-free days. I like you say, not getting blotto into oblivion. Is is yeah. fun. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's so fun, and you know when you when you look at uh, the cultures around the world that are doing well, like when they're aging beautifully. They're laughing, they're smiling, they're social. They definitely do not worry about parasites. They definitely do not worry about where their kombucha came from. They're definitely not putting stevia in their in their drinks. Um, <laughs> they're just smiling along and having nice little chats. And that's that's what I think is it's real all about. Yes, and I bet they're also not tracking their macros on my fitness pal. No, probably no. Not. <laughs> they're not counting <laughs> calories. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee. And you know, there's a great story. Marcus and I tell. We went to Ica Rio in 2016 for the first time, um, which is a little island in Greece where people forget to die. And we went there and we took our runners and our running gear. Did we you? woke up at 5:30 in the morning. Yeah, uh-huh. and we go for this little run. Like the sun's up. We go for a little jog, and we're running down this dirt road, and then we go up the dirt road, and it's like by the time we get to six o'clock, half an hour into the run, it's roasting. Like it's middle of summer. It's so hot. These guys go past in like a like a, a Nissan old old Nissan Ute, right? There's like six of these guys in a four-seater ute and they're all massive units. And they're looking at us and they literally slow the car down and they're looking at us going, what are these guys doing? So anyway, we run all the way back and we run back to, into the township and we're puffing and panting and our host is there, Thea is there, and she says, what are you guys doing? And we said, oh, we just went for a run. And she goes, "What? what, what, what where did you run to? And we said, oh, we just kind of ran around, around you know, the roads. And she goes, what, what were you running from? And we said, no, <laughs> we weren't running from any of these. She goes, well, why would you do such a thing, she said to us. And we were kind of like, oh, that's such a great question. You know, here we are on this island where people forget to die. They're not going for a run with their brand-new Nikes and their, you know, Garmin GPS watches and all this sort of stuff. That's Tracking not what's steps. going on. Tracking their steps, doing September or dry July <laughs> or anything like that, or they're not—they're not doing that stuff. They're just existing and living their life with their family, their friends, and they're stress-free, which which we love, and that's that's kind of what we try to aspire to. And they're moving, like I've seen the videos from Icaria, and I've I've seen the the, mm-hmm. the you know with with Marcus dancing, and they're just this lovely, yeah. oh, just the fun things. Like having a dance is so much more fun than going for a run, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, agreed. So cool, Damo. Thanks for being such a such a stonking guest. Oh, that's what I was going to say. You know, we were talking about um, September yeah. and. Um, dry july i heard i don't know if you've heard this one there was a new response you for something sponsoring you for something in october or no 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 no. i'm joking i'm joking yeah and we are actually doing a grain free thing in november but that's a different thing it's a community thing to get people talking and sharing um but i heard one yesterday from um somebody i was interviewing in the uk veganuary have you heard that one before no veganuary why would you Come on. Wow. That's the first. And apparently all the supermarkets jump on it because everybody in the UK especially, not so much in Australia because it's summertime, but in the UK after Christmas, January is the most bleak, depressing time of the year. There's no daylight. There's no money left. You feel overweight and disgusting because you've picked out at Christmas. So it's a really um, vulnerable time to market to people. Very vulnerable time. That's such a great money spinner. Well, good on them. That's very marketable. I think that's amazing. But um, they've picked one of the longest months of the year and it's one of the greatest months of the year in Australia. So we just never do it. But um, wow. That's yeah, wow. Wow. Well, we can talk about veganism until the cows come home. So um, we could do that another time maybe. I think home. we've got another three podcasts scheduled already. Um, but <laughs> thank you for today, Demo. Seriously, your wisdom is, is invaluable. It's been so interesting to listen to. I'm so grateful for you, you know, finally scheduling and coming and sharing your knowledge around this. Um, so oh, thank you so Helen much. for having me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank now, you. Now, if thanks people want more Demo... Where's the best place yeah. for them to track you down? 
Well, my website's probably the best place to go. It's just damienchristoff.com. Um, and then you can find every little link to me through there. Um, but you can tune into my podcast, 100 Not Out, that I do with Marcus every week on a Wednesday. We, we, uh, we both we film that and record it at the same time. So You're so modern. Uh, always good fun. So how's that? We are hip. Um, so that's, that's what we're doing. But I really enjoy doing that. And you can learn a lot about longevity and the tips around you know, making the rest of your life the best of your life, which is a motto that Marcus and I both like to use. That's a very good motto. I love it too. All right. Well, we will follow you there. And thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Helen. Thanks for having me. If you want to learn how to create and sell nutritious, honest food, help more people, be part of a supportive community and start your own home business, that's in alignment with your highest values, then the Primalista license is for you. Head over to primalalternative.com to find out how this works. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.